What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mike Zuniga Films Podcast. This is a more entrepreneurship-focused episode, yet still in the creative space. Now, if you like dessert as much as I do, I encourage you to keep listening because my next guest is Rachel Connors. She's the founder of Bakerita, a blog focusing on gluten-free, refined sugar-free, and dairy-free baked treats that she makes herself. In this episode, she shares why she started creating these recipes, how media plays a large role in her success, to now working with brands that align with her values and message. So without further ado, Rachel Connors. How's it going? It's good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. Um, so for all of you uh, who don't know, uh, this is Rachel. We've known each other since college. Yeah. Um, we're, I was in a fraternity. She was in a sorority. <laughs> and uh, I, I've been keeping track with, with what you were doing since college yeah, and especially on instagram because that's the easiest way of seeing what you're doing yeah and most public yeah yeah and it's all this super good looking like baked goods i don't know like i just want to eat my phone every time <laughs> i see her i her instagram so um i kind of want to start before we get into you know what you've been doing mm-hmm. uh after college just uh i want to start with your dog hank (laughs) because (laughs) yeah because he's still a big part of your instagram right yes and um also you like to travel as well Uh so what was what's the most recent place that you've traveled with hank oh the most recent with hank where have i gone oh i just went to joshua tree really and i brought him along yeah and it was it was actually the first trip that i've brought him on usually he stays Uh with my dad when i'm traveling Uh but i went on sort of just like a work vacation and rented out a house and brought him along. So we like went hiking in the morning yeah. <laughs> and oh, he was so much fun to have there. Nice. He so was that just like a it. spur of the moment type thing that you went to go and yeah. travel to? Yeah, I think I planned it maybe like a week or two ahead of time, but just rented out a cool house and went to just go be inspired and have, have a change of scenery. So nice. it was really fun, yeah. Hank had the time of his life running around the backyard and exploring, picking out all sorts of new big sticks on our hikes. Because that's the thing. He likes to uh, walk around with different sticks. Yep. He finds the biggest stick that he can find every day on our walks. And I always post it on my Instagram stories with Hank's stick of the day. (laughs) And people love it. I also have a story highlight that Uh people will tell me. They're like, I just go on to to watch your story highlight of all of Hank's stick Uh of the days. And it's just a a highlights reel of Hank carrying around (laughs) sticks that are usually like twice as big as he is. That is so funny. Because I've watched some of that and it's like... It's a different stick every single time. It uh-huh. seems to get bigger every single time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how, but it's funny because he's such a small dog yeah. and with a big stick, like um, like hitting stuff and whatnot, uh-huh. but that's so funny. Yeah, he's, he's a character for sure. Yeah, and I know you were talking about going to Joshua Tree, trying to change the scenery, get yep. inspired, things like that. I want to touch upon that later totally. uh, in terms of creativity yeah. and what gets you inspired. Um, but now I kind of want to talk about Puget Sound. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Throwback. Go, yeah, throwback. <laughs> going there. And did you start baking there or was that before? So I actually started my site the summer before my senior year of high school. Uh-huh. Um, and it was essentially like my online diary. I was like going through some hard stuff. 
and just like needed a creative outlet. Um, and so I started baking a lot. My sister loved to read food blogs. I had like never even heard of them because uh-huh. it was back before Instagram or Pinterest even existed. Mm. Um, so I, I just like to start, I started messing with recipes and sort of developing my own. And my sister was like, you should put this on a website um, and start a blog. So I put it up, never promoting it or really expecting anyone to see it. It was just my outlet and what like made me happy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I like started looking for colleges, I was like, there's no way that I want to stop doing this. So I, when I visited, I would be like, do your freshman dorms have kitchens? Yeah. <laughs> like I need somewhere with an oven. Um, and Puget Sound obviously had ovens. And I literally like brought so much of my baking stuff with me to the freshman uh-huh. dorms and would like carry down my basket with all like my pans and flour and all my ingredients and just managed to keep it up all through college. Um, and it was always just my outlet. I would like all my, we'd go out to a party and everyone would go to sleep so late and I'd be up at like 6 a.m. baking and all my housemates would wake up to like muffins and cookies. <laughs> like when well, they good would, for them, right? Yeah, they would be waking up at noon and I'd have already like made all this stuff. <laughs> They'd wake up to like wonderful smells. Wow. <laughs> so I bet were... <laughs> I bet your story just smelled like Christmas all every time. single time. Yep, yep. That's awesome. It. So, I mean, you kept that up throughout college. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how did you do do that? I mean, obviously we were packed with work and yeah. essays and tests and all that stuff. Totally. I mean, was did you find time mostly during the weekends, during the days, yeah. weekdays? I definitely did a lot of stuff on the weekends. It was hardest the fresh my freshman year, obviously, because I couldn't really photograph in the dorms. So mm-hmm. during like the that first year, I would do a lot of work when I went home for the holidays and like photograph stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, through through the years, I it was it was still my outlet. So I just like to write and I like to take my photos and post stuff on my site. And it was never something that seemed like work. Um, it was just my hobby. So like where other people like were in sports, I didn't play any sports. So like that's where my time went. Uh-huh. Uh, beyond doing my work so I would I would finish all my school work and like be excited to be done so that I could go bake and yeah I just I loved it so I made time for it and I've always heard a lot of people talking about like when they get busy they're like I just I never want to I don't want to do my blog anymore it feels like a chore and I've really never had that yeah that experience like it it's honestly never even crossed my mind to be like I should stop doing this Uh because it's something that just brings me so much joy to be able to share with people yeah that's awesome because I mean when when it's something that you like really like to do Mm -hmm. it doesn't really feel like work exactly I that's what I always tell people who like want to start blogs I'm like make sure you're not just getting into it for the money Mm -hmm. and like thinking that this is something that you're going to monetize like get into it because you really love it and it's something that you want to share with the world and that will come back to you in money eventually but if that's your intention people will be able to see right through that Mm -hmm. Um, and people won't want to give you the support when they see that you're just like monetizing from the get-go taking whatever sponsorships you can get because that really dilutes your brand and makes it so it doesn't feel as authentic as if you're really doing it because it's something that makes you genuinely happy. Right. And that's more like a long-term play. You yeah. Know, because yeah, it's definitely. it's not going to, you know, it's not quick cash or anything. Yeah. Because you have to kind of 
perfect your craft over time yeah. and a lot of trial and error and <laughs> all that stuff. But, Definitely. you know, as long as you know that's what you like to do, keep going at it. I mean, it might change, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, that's that's why uh, I, I hear a lot of people get discouraged right mm-hmm. away and they keep jumping from one thing to the next. Yeah. But it that, they don't really get anywhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, that's good you stayed with it because... Mm-hmm. From what I've seen, each each pastry, each <laughs> dish just keeps getting better and better. Thank you. Um, yeah, so back to college, mm-hmm. uh, just real briefly. Yeah, of course. Um, what are the pros and cons? Because I mean, especially nowadays, because yeah. some people don't want to go to college, they do want to go to college. I mean, what's your take on that? So for me, I think it was kind of expected where I grew up that you would go to college. So it never really crossed my mind that I wouldn't. And I wouldn't say that bakery was in a place that I would have felt comfortable like doing that full time straight out of college. So I had always wanted to go to college to study business. And as I went through school, I tried to take more entrepreneurial classes as I realized that this something that was that I could be interested in. And like, you know, our school was so small that Mm -hmm. you really like got to know your professors and they were really supportive. So like my thesis professor, I took classes about entrepreneurship and she encouraged me to do Bakerita. And like, I talked to her about going full time and she was like, I think that's a great idea. So for me, like being in an environment that really cultivated creativity Mm -hmm. and they encouraged me to do my own thing and like gave me projects that would support that, it sort of enabled me to have the confidence to go forward and do something like this full time. But on the flip side, if you're really good at something and you know that you want to make that your career and going to college doesn't feel like it's the right fit and Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be supportive for you, then I don't think it's necessary in this day of age. And like if I had been four years ahead in Bakerita, if I had started it when I was like 13 instead of 16, um, I maybe would have felt like I was in that place that I didn't have to go. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, I felt like it sort of gave me the confidence to be able to do it full time, especially mm-hmm. since I was going with a business degree, mm-hmm. which actually people are like, oh, so your degree is useless. And I'm like, no. no, actually, I had to take law and ethics. And now I know how to set myself up as an LLC and I can read through a contract with confidence that they're not pulling one over on me. Mm-hmm. And I understand like all these business mechanisms that help me run my business way more efficiently than mm-hmm. if I had never taken classes like that. Right. So it's really like helped support me in growing mm-hmm. my business. A lot of a lot of my college experiences. So yeah, because for the stu- or the students that are in high school that I uh, speak to, mm-hmm. um, when they say, "Oh, I want to major in this, major in that," I do, you know, advise them to take some sort of business course because they totally. can still minor in a business course, yeah. right? And at least get some experience because everything is business related absolutely yeah and you know the good thing is i mean especially for our school Mm -hmm. i think the size of the school helped a little bit totally yeah Yeah. i I liked being in a small school and our school was actually smaller than my high school which is kind of (laughs) wild like in my high school we would have classes of like 50 students yeah at puget sound i don't think i ever had one that was more than like 32 Uh and that was such a big class that they brought in a second professor to help support (laughs) so it was just like our school was very unique in yeah, that it was. sense of being mm-hmm. so small. But yeah, it's a great environment to help mm-hmm. support like 
they were able to give you more individualized support right. based on your interests. I don't know if you experienced that too with like yeah. your filming and having Did you take them Lynette that. For yeah. Entrepreneurship? yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Lynette. Lynette Claire. <laughs> Best uh, entrepreneurship teacher at UPS. Absolutely. I, and I think anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. But I, it was really interactive. And I liked yeah. that, especially exactly. uh, from the classes. And um, I mean, just outside even entrepreneurship itself. Mm-hmm. The other classes were were good because the size it allowed you mm-hmm. to have a more in depth, you know, um, I guess experience. Yeah. Um, and I and I think it's also good too. I mean, if a student is looking to go to a college that is a little bit smaller in size, mm-hmm. I think it has an advantages because. It, you're able to get your name out there a little bit faster totally. and a little bit easier rather than like a big, huge college yeah. uh, would. I mean, did you experience that at all? Like with, you know, starting your, especially Instagram or Bakerita yeah. at the yeah. time? Yeah, I found a lot of support like from the community. Obviously being in a sorority helped because it was like a group of group of girls that were like almost obligated <laughs> to like support what I was doing. Yeah. I'm sure it didn't hurt that I would bring cookies and brownies to chapter. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, right, right. But yeah, having the support system of a small school was was so beneficial for me. And yeah, I, I loved my time at Puget Sound and I hadn't even planned on going there initially. I was gonna go to Vanderbilt. Okay. And my whole family was like, oh, Vanderbilt's like such a like name brand kind of school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I visited both of them and I was like, that just didn't feel like a good fit for me. Um, and Puget Sound felt like the kind of place that would support my creativity and support what I was what I was interested in mm-hmm. in a way that I didn't really get that get that sort of like warmth from, from right. Vanderbilt. So yeah. nothing against Vanderbilt, no. but Puget Sound was just like a better fit for me. Yeah. And I found it to really support my growth. Nice. Yeah, because yeah. it, it varies per person. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Each person, you can't say one college is for yeah. a specific person. Because so. I'm sure so many people would go crazy being in a school that's right. as small as ours. Oh, yeah, so. for sure. It's not for everyone. No, but, definitely not. But I do I, I, I do enjoy the experience, and I haven't, you know, regretted it. So. Oh, yeah, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. So fast forward, mm-hmm. after graduation, um, how did you kind of turn this into a full-time business being Bakerita well first yeah. of all how how did you come up with the name Bakerita <laughs> so um the name Bakerita was the result of like so many hours of my family sitting each like on our computers and phones and like typing things into a domain search <laughs> I wish it was a better story <laughs> than that but I literally I had like a tumblr blog that mm-hmm. was like I think like Rachel Bakes something super boring uh-huh um, and someone told me, they're like, my sister's friend came over and he's like, you need a domain. Like I'll set it all up, but you just need to come up with a domain name. Yeah. I was like, all right. And I liked the idea of having like a one word sort of like title mm-hmm. as opposed to like a couple words strung together. So I was like, let's just make up a word. Cause that will probably be the easiest to get a domain for. So we sat, came up with a million things. And then one day, I think it was my dad's girlfriend at the time uh-huh. was like, how about bakerina and we all really liked that and we looked Uh it up and it was taken Uh um and so i think i said like what about bakerita 
And we were all like, that totally works because Ida and Sp- I'm half Hispanic. Mm-hmm. So Ida in Spanish means little. Uh-huh. And I'm five foot tall. Yeah. <laughs> so it was meant to like, be. It kind of translates to like the little baker with yeah. a lot of creativity. Yeah, there you <laughs> but, go. <laughs> but that's it. We all loved it. So that's awesome. That's how Bakerita came to be. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's one way of going about it. I mean, different. <laughs> yeah. Y- there's different ways yeah. i mean but i think that's a it's a great unique story yeah. in itself you know <laughs> not the most exciting but but, hey. but it turned out a great name that exactly. people remember and it's like it's a little i don't know i feel like there's so many like running and cupcakes and like just blocks yeah. that are just sort of like words put together mm-hmm. that it you could easily forget like one or the other whereas bakery that's like short to the point does the job right simple <laughs> yeah easy <laughs> So how did you turn Bakerita into a business? I mean, you moved back down here to San Diego yep. after UPS. So what happened from there? So I actually stayed in Seattle for a little less than a year, I think, after graduation. But I, when I graduated, I had a job offer from a company I had worked for uh, the summer before. And I was making a, like a little bit of money from Bakerita. And my dad was very much like, if you ever want to do this full time, right now is the time to try because you have like no dependents, you have no loss of income from having to quit another job, which is the scariest thing for a lot of people is like, you're leaving this well-paying steady job to go do something that you have no idea where your next paycheck is gonna come from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was making like just enough to cover my rent. And my dad was very generous and was like, if you need help, I'll help you for the first three months and then you're on your own. And if you can't support yourself after that, then you get a job. So I was like, all right, I'll try it out and we'll see how it goes. And like, I immediately just started hustling and work started contacting brands and getting like my site more optimized for ads and just Mm -hmm. figuring things out to try and maximize my revenue. Uh Um, And at that point, I think I had around like 20,000 followers on Instagram, wasn't getting nearly as many views to my site as I do now. Um, But I never had to ask my dad for help. I just made it work and as, When I graduated from college, my site sort of evolved because before that I had been doing a lot of just like standard traditional baking. Um, And then my sister and my dad both went gluten-free. So I started experimenting with gluten-free and more paleo baking, which is grain-free and refined Mm sugar-free and some vegan stuff, just sort of like experimenting with all these different kinds of baking. Um, And my site was sort of just like a mishmash of all of it. Um, So I had like this really unhealthy stuff mixed in with stuff that was gluten-free and refined sugar-free. And after I graduated, I was sort of able to focus that more. Um, And I went gluten-free myself, so I stopped baking with gluten entirely. And then like a year later, when I moved to San Diego, I ended up going dairy-free too. And sort of just like along with that, I ended up cutting out refined sugars in my baking. Sort of just to like see if I could. Um, And as I narrowed my niche, it wasn't, even so much on purpose, Mm -hmm. but so many more people started finding my site. And as I started posting like solely stuff that was gluten-free and dairy-free, they'd be like, oh, this is a website where I can go and find a chocolate chip cookie that tastes really good and is free of all this stuff that like my sister can't eat dairy, my dad can't eat gluten. Mm -hmm. So it's something that everyone in the family can enjoy. And I have like such a sweet tooth that it was always my goal to 
be like, if this thing's going to be gluten-free and dairy-free and refined sugar-free, uh-huh. it has to taste just as good as the original. Right. So that ended up with lots of recipe testing <laughs> and just doing a lot of work to figure out how I could like make these things that were reliably really good um, without sacrificing any taste and still keeping them on the healthy side. So definitely making it into a full-time business like relied a lot on me finding that niche and uh-huh. it, it took a while to get there. Yeah. But as I've narrowed it more, uh-huh. my audience has grown, which seems kind of counterintuitive to people who aren't in the industry. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, it's people, people like to find something that almost feels like it's geared specifically towards them and right. what their diet is or what their son's diet is. Because mm-hmm. um, I have a lot of like moms who are like, my son can't eat anything. He was like born oh. with all these allergies. Wow. And so they want something that they can feed to their son, but they can also feed to their daughter who eats uh-huh. everything and everyone will still be able to enjoy it. So wow. it's been really interesting sort of finding that group of people and being able to connect with them and feel like I'm adding value to their lives. Yeah. So basically, you finding your niche kind of came out of necessity in a way Mm -hmm. because you like baking, but you also wanted to bake for your family who, you know, went gluten-free and Mm -hmm. uh, so on. So that kind of meshed together. Yeah. And you had to experiment a lot, right, for your recipes, even up to now. I mean, how, how did that... Um, how did that process work in terms of experimenting with recipes and creating? Yeah, so I have like a big notebook full of just like lists of recipes of things I want to create. But when I first sort of start with like if I want to do like a chocolate cupcake, a lot of times I'll go back to like my favorite chocolate cupcake recipe that I used to make when I was eating all the things. Right. Um, and I'll sort of take that base because I know it works with gluten and butter and I'll sub in things that are the healthier alternative. So like coconut oil or almond flour or tapioca flour and coconut sugar. And I'll see how that goes and be Uh like, okay, that sunk too much in the middle. I need to increase the amount of flour, increase the amount of baking soda. And so I just sort of test a lot (laughs) from there. And I'm a total perfectionist, so I want things to be like just so, which is a lot harder to do with gluten-free and dairy-free baking than Mm -hmm. it is with um, traditional baking. And there's not a lot of resources for developing the kinds of recipes that I do. There's all sorts of books about developing recipes, but none of them really address my specific type of baking. So Mm -hmm. it's up to me to sort of figure it out on my own. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you really narrowed it down Mm -hmm. to like a specific niche, like not just like broad. It started off broad, experimented a little bit. And then now you like found the point to where, you know, you have a big enough audience that's growing Mm -hmm. and it's really engaged with what you're, you know, putting out there. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And it definitely came out of necessity. Like I mentioned my sister and my dad were gluten-free and a cut like I think a year after I graduated from college when I started eating more healthily too my sister got diagnosed with Lyme disease and one of the holistic ways to treat that is to cut out all gluten all dairy all refined sugars um, to try and like starve it out of your system Mm -hmm. essentially Um, so she was just like 
begging me <laughs> to make her something that she could eat because uh-huh. she like would eat vegetables and meat and that was about it so she's right. like please figure out something yeah i can eat that's like delicious so i developed a recipe for like a sugar-free gluten-free dairy-free banana bread wow. that she could eat and so that sort of was like getting that right like sort of spurred me on to create these other things because it helped me realize what was possible in that realm of baking which before I had just sort of like shrugged it off like there's no way that any of that stuff could be delicious if uh-huh. it's free of all the delicious things <laughs> yeah and I mean it's fairly new in a way like yeah like using different um alternatives Mm -hmm. to the traditional yeah uh food that you know we've been cooking with Mm -hmm. um and i think that's a that's a really cool twist that you've you've put onto like baking yeah yeah it's it's fun i i really enjoy the challenge of creating something that's different and the challenge of making it taste good (laughs) right that's not always the case yeah that's a challenge in itself it's a whole experimentation process and convincing people that it is delicious even if it's free of all the things oh (laughs) that's a a whole nother hurdle oh yeah a whole nother story yeah a lot of times i just won't tell people oh yeah i'm just like here have a cookie and they're like that's great but if i had been like here have a gluten-free vegan cookie they're like ooh, right (laughs) and they get it into their heads that it's not going to be good they think it tastes like they know about something being gluten-free and vegan. yeah like they think it tastes like uh like broccoli or something exactly. i don't know it's like but cookie discrimination yeah but if it, if it looks as good as it tastes yeah then I, you know I, I have so many people who will be like yeah i made a batch of your cookies and i just didn't tell anyone that mm-hmm. they were like free of all the things and they had they're like i had kids all the kids running up to me telling me they were the best cookies that they've ever had <laughs> i'm like all right when i can get like the little kids who are like on their sugar high to yeah. be to be stoked on a paleo cookie like such a win yeah you won definitely yeah. so um when it comes to like the business side i know we mm-hmm. talked about that earlier yeah um how did you because like you you're starting to make um more uh, I guess different types of baked goods. Yeah. You're experimenting. You have your website. Mm-hmm. How do you specifically monetize at this point? Yeah. So a lot of my monetization in the beginning and now is um, ad revenue on my site, which just like people coming to get my recipes from Instagram or Pinterest or wherever mm-hmm. it is. Um, they'll be shown ads on my site, just display ads, pretty standard internet advertising. Mm-hmm. And then I'll also work with brands um, to develop recipes for them to put on my site. So like I work with Bob's Red Mill, which they create a lot of like alternative flowers. So mm-hmm. they'll do like almond flour and tapioca flour. So I'll create a recipe using their products okay. and post on my site mm-hmm that this is specifically what I used, why I prefer this brand to another brand, um, and they'll pay me for that. It's essentially advertising. Like just a sponsor. Na- just native advertising, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they're sponsored posts, and I am pretty picky about who I work with because right. I always want it to stay authentic, mm-hmm. and so I'll get a lot of offers for things, but if they're not in line with what I think my audience will like and what mm-hmm. I genuinely like, then I'm, I'm not gonna work with them. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of a point where it can be hard while you're growing to to narrow that because I had like 
a big chocolate company reach out to me and they had a lot of money to spend. Mm -hmm. And so they're offering me like way more than like these smaller gluten-free brands can offer me, Uh but it's not in line with what my site represents. So Mm -hmm. I have to turn that down just for like my own peace of mind that I'm not selling out. Right. (laughs) So that can be hard at times, um, especially like in my fields where a lot of the brands are sort of smaller and growing. Mm Um, but it makes me feel a lot better about what I'm doing that I'm not going to be like, yeah, I'll promote whatever you want as long as you pay me enough money Mm -hmm. because I never want to lose that trust with my, with my followers and with my community. Yeah. That's a very important point. I like Mm -hmm. that point because when you're starting out and whether it be looking for clients Mm -hmm. or whether it be getting sponsors, um, like you kind of have that urge that you want to get everything that comes at you. Yeah. But at the same time, if it doesn't align with what you stand for, you know, it's in the long run, if you know how to say no to other things, um, like you did, um, it really helps out in the long run. Yeah. And I'm of the mindset that like when you say no to something and you sort of have that strength in yourself to say something to say no to something that you know isn't the right move for you, Mm -hmm. that will sort of open up doors to the things that are correct because you're sort of you're willing to take a stand on what you're not willing to do which shows people that you you have the the confidence Mm -hmm. and the willingness to work with the right people and that you're not gonna gonna sell out for the people who who don't align with your vision and your brand and your morals whatever it is so and i'm sure it could be the same with clients that you're working with in in film so Mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 and i think you also get more respect that way. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because people see that you're genuine mm-hmm. and like you genuinely, um, you know, want this and you don't want that and it's something that you stand for. So, totally. so especially like your audience too. And that, I'm glad that you said that, that you're doing it for your audience mm-hmm. and the, the people that follow you and user recipes because yeah. if, if you don't, then I mean, it, they can see right you know, through they that can see, see right through it yeah if that. i post yeah. like for some gluten crackers they're gonna be like oh they must be paying her a lot of money mm-hmm. because this is something she would never eat right <laughs> and yeah. that just diminishes the trust and the more you do it like the less people will be willing to listen to what you have to say mm-hmm. and as an influencer that's really all you like that's your currency on how you connect with people so yeah i think it's important to just be very authentic and true to what you what you believe right especially with social media nowadays definitely it's like so easy to get caught up and oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so especially the ones that are more authentic and Mm -hmm. and and genuine um you know i i see a lot more engagement with those uh people on social media i mean speaking of instagram i mean you've grown your following a lot over the years Mm -hmm. um what what do you think has helped you in terms of your growth and engagement with uh, with you know a social media yeah. like app like Instagram? Um, so I say that like consistency is a huge part of it. Like I try and post every day. For a while, I was trying to post like twice a day um, and just having really quality content. Like if I don't have something good to post, I won't because I'd rather not post than post something that's gonna make my make my page look bad or Mm -hmm. that it's like not up to the standards because people will honestly see a post that they don't want to see from you and they're like oh that's not why i follow her and unfollow Mm. so it's like 
being really like in tune with what your followers are looking for. I spend a lot of time like looking at like the analytics on Instagram and seeing when people are online and seeing what content people are engaging with the most and then creating more content that's similar to that. Um, and that's definitely helped help me build my brand. Um, and like, if you want to post random stuff, like make a personal account, but I think having a business account that's like really caters to your followers is very important. Um, mm-hmm. cause, cause that's how you serve your community, especially for me. Instagram is my main community builder that's where I connect with people so I put like my life on my stories like I put Hank running around with his sticks Mm -hmm. and like me drinking my coffee in the morning and like that's how people connect with me and that's like they can opt in to watch my stories if they want to see that part of my life Mm -hmm. but I know on my page they want to see a drool worthy photo of a dessert right so that's what I'm gonna give them because that's what they want to see and people have been asking recently for more savory so I'm like, all right, I'll give you oh. some savory. And like people are responding to that because uh-huh. they asked for it. But like if I had just started posting all this random savory food that no uh-huh. one wanted, right, it wouldn't perform as well. Yeah. Um, so I just, yeah, I try to be very in tune with what my community wants. And I think that's been a big factor in how my Instagram has grown and how like my community sort of feels connected to me mm-hmm. and that they know I'm going to give them what they want and I'm going to listen to their feedback. Mm-hmm. And I respond to every single Instagram message that I get, which uh-huh. I know a lot of people don't. And I'll see readers like getting mad on someone's comment section. So they're like, oh, she doesn't respond to DMs. And mm-hmm. they get like annoyed because it makes makes it feel like there's sort of a disconnect between the person posting and like their community. Mm -hmm. And I never want the people who follow me to feel like they're just like my followers and like I could have as many as I want and like they're just numbers. Mm -hmm. I want them to feel like they're my friends and like I will listen to what they have to say. And I think that's important and it definitely gets to a point where it can be overwhelming. Um, the amount of DMs that you might be getting when you grow your following to a certain amount. But mm-hmm. I think it's very important to make people feel like they're being heard. So whatever way you can you can do that, I think is very helpful and makes people feel a lot more connected to what you're doing. Right. Because with social media, from what, um, what I've noticed, is that it's great with uh, communication. Mm-hmm. And if you really like utilize the communication aspect of it, mm-hmm. um, you can really grow a strong community. Definitely. And um, and like, yeah, it's hard to, you know, try to answer as many DMs and yeah. comments as possible. But uh, for the most part, if I think if people see that you're doing that, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you'll they know that you are human yeah you know you're not just fake you're not just there trying to get followers but you're there to actually help and create kind of a conversation around what you're doing yeah you know in a way yeah absolutely it just makes it feel like there's like there's a real human behind it who doesn't think that like they're better than all the people who are Mm -hmm. who are around them because like i'm just a girl who like sits in my house alone most of the day like Uh making (laughs) treats like just because i have like a lot of followers on instagram Uh like doesn't make me feel like i'm any better than the Uh person who messaged me who was 100 followers Mm -hmm. like there's no difference between us except for i take pictures and post them on the internet right and I'm sure there's people who are way better bakers and way better photographers than I am who uh-huh. are out there. They're just not putting it out there the way that I am. So it's just like I've chosen to make this into my career. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, I just, I don't want people to feel like there's like this separation between the people they follow on social media and themselves. And also, um, there's some people that I talk to that are younger Mm -hmm. and they're in the creative space and they are kind of afraid of putting their art or what they do out there. Yeah. Right. And I think that differentiates the ones that are known from the ones that are not known Mm -hmm. is just putting it out there even yeah. in the beginning when they feel it's not the best yeah um i mean there's still room to improve totally. i mean did you feel that in the beginning like Absolutely. you were kind of hesitant of putting your um you know i guess art out there yeah. in a way like on social media yeah. how did you get through that yeah it's very easy to get yourself into like the comparison trap when you start posting content anywhere because you can sit and like I can see other food photographers you can see other videos and Mm -hmm. be like how do I get that shot that they just did or like whatever whatever it is I I can't style that well I don't have such beautiful plates whatever it is so instead of sort of looking at it from that perspective if there's if there's someone who I'm like seeing your stuff makes me sad because I don't think I'm ever going to be that good I'll just unfollow them so that I don't have to see it But what I try to do now is look at it and be like, why is this something that makes me feel inadequate? And what can I do to sort of improve my work to reflect that or or sort of target the thing that I love about that work that makes Mm -hmm. my not feel as good Mm -hmm. and learn it, like try to replicate it and be like, I love the way that their lighting is. So I'm going to try and recreate that. Or on the other hand, to just respect that that's their style and that you have your own style and there's no need to compare the two because there's enough room in the content world for all of it. Mm -hmm. And there's people who will resonate with yours and there's people who will resonate with theirs and that there's billions of people on this planet and there's enough people to consume all the types of content that people are willing to create. Yeah. So people like get nervous. They're like, I don't want to start a blog or I don't want to start making videos because there's so much out there already. Mm -hmm. But there's also so many people who are looking for it. Mm -hmm. And so many people who like, it's not like you go on Instagram and you follow one person. Mm -hmm. Like you go and follow a ton of people because they all inspire you. So there's always room for more inspiration in people's life, I think. Mm -hmm. And comparing yourself to other people really doesn't benefit anyone right so you just need to look at a perspective of like how can me comparing myself to them or how can me admiring their work better better myself and better my work and my content um without needing it to be a negative thing that makes you feel like discouraged and sad Mm -hmm. yeah so basically what i got out of that is that instead of running away from it you face it yeah and you look into yourself and like Mm -hmm. why does that make you feel that certain way and how can you differentiate and you know maybe even make it better in a sense i I like that that's that's a great tip um how did you kind of form your style um throughout the years yeah so just a lot of experimenting i never even really took like photography classes or anything a lot of what I did was honestly look at other people's and be like, what do I like about this? And I'm like, I noticed that I prefer when something has a lot of props or like looks a little more like filled. Like I don't like such minimalist photos. Uh And so that's something I noticed when looking at other people's work and being like, okay, how can I incorporate that into my work while maintaining my own style? Mm -hmm. So it was just sort of like seeing something that inspires me, 
online or in the real world and even like from art or like seeing a cool plant like my apartment's filled with plants because like (laughs) yeah it is (laughs) they like they inspire me like structurally and like how they'll look in comparison to each other so just finding things out in the world that sort of like I'm like that would look cool styled like this Uh and just sort of like recreating it and experimenting like I'll be in the middle of a shoot and be like I don't like how this is looking and I'll scrap it and redo the entire thing until I'm happy with the way that it's presenting. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know all about editing. So like the magic (laughs) of editing also makes such a huge difference Mm -hmm. um, in photos and in videos. Right. Um, Yeah, so style curation, yeah, it's very interesting. I'm constantly getting inspired. I'll look back on my photos even from six months ago and see my style have evolved since then. So Mm -hmm. I think it's something that's always in progress always evolving and really is like a reflection of my surroundings Mm -hmm. so yeah so speaking of photography Mm -hmm. um you you never took a photography course or anything i mean youtube is the best way did you use youtube i watched youtube tutorials and like i actually just took a photography course like a couple months ago because i was like i should know what like all these buttons on my camera Mm -hmm. like what they're actually called right (laughs) because i like figured out how to scroll through my aperture Uh and like adjust all these things but i didn't really know like the actual techniques behind it Mm -hmm. um so i I just recently took a photography course Mm -hmm. probably should have done that a lot a lot longer ago but that's okay but yeah, um, it was definitely just like YouTube reading some photography blogs, but it was mostly just trial and error mm-hmm. to see what worked, to see like what looked good. And right. Yeah. 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 I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of trial and error. That's just the easiest way for me to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know everyone's different. Some people can sit down and read a photography book and pick up the camera and know what to do. And I'm just a more hands-on learner. So right. I prefer to just like get out and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and figure it out as I go. Yeah, sometimes that's the best way of doing it too, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, you, you get to see what works for you. And I think also too, you not having a, like a photography background mm-hmm. initially, I think that kind of helped your creativity. I mean, would you say that yeah. helped your creativity? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because it's like almost having too much information, you could be like, okay, this is how I'm supposed to do the shot. And like having this sort of like set, system for mm-hmm. how you're going to do something can almost inhibit creativity sometimes mm. because you're like this is how it's going to be the right way right um and there's no right way mm-hmm. it's just what you think looks good and what your community responds to or like whatever you're using your content for like as long as the person it's being created for is happy whether that's you or a client or your mm-hmm. community um there's no there's no right or wrong as right. long as it connects with people and makes people feel something whether that's hungry or sad or happy <laughs> yeah exactly so as long as it connects with them yeah. so um with your photos mm-hmm. uh they're very engaging because they're because <laughs> i mean they they look really great um how or for you like what goes into making a great photo especially for food yeah yeah so i'm like a big fan of creating like um I don't even know how to describe it but sort of like the details that really pull you in mm-hmm. so if I'm doing something with melted chocolate I want to have like a chunk of melted chocolate that you can see that you're like that cookie just came out of the oven and you can just like envision yourself grabbing into the screen to like take a bite of that cookie mm-hmm. just something that really like it like I just said like that makes you feel an emotion um and that like makes you want it 
uh-huh. right now. Yeah. <laughs> like just creates a sense of urgency and like so I, I do I love doing like close up shots of stuff and stuff mm-hmm. that really like sort just sort of draws you into the scene. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of that can be like compositional too and doing sprinkles of chocolate on the side yeah. so you can see like what's in the recipe if you can't see that there is whatever dried cranberries or nuts uh-huh. in it to like sprinkle them on the side so you right. can get a feel for what that dessert is going to be like and taste like when you when you have it and make it for yourself interesting yeah so it's not just like the dessert in itself it's like also adding different elements it's subtle yeah yeah but you still get that feel of like what's in it yeah it almost creates like a story around the food oh Um, i see yeah so different than like you creating a story on film yeah i try to like that's easier capture my little microcosm of a story yeah i think i think (laughs) Trying to show a story through a photo mm-hmm. is a little bit harder because it's it's just like one still totally. frame. Yeah. But it's like the different elements within it yeah. that kind of bring it to life. Totally. Um and I think that's the art in itself. You yeah. know, trying to, you know, really make the photo engaging. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times that it's like can be creating movement, which is similar to like video. But it's like me taking like a thing of caramel sauce and like drizzling it over a cake or a pie and you can like see my hand in it. So it gives you that feel of like serving this and like how this is going to be in your life. And like, oh, you can like put the caramel sauce all over Uh this cake and it you like see it dripping down. So it creates this this scene yeah. almost in your head and you can like imagine yourself like pouring the caramel uh-huh. sauce over it like while you have Thanksgiving dinner with your family. Yeah. So I, I just like to create that that feeling of that you can do this too. And one thing that sometimes people, they're like, mine didn't turn out as pretty as yours. And I'm like, yeah, that's because I spent 30 minutes like <laughs> like messing with the chocolate chip yeah. with a toothpick so that uh-huh. like the chocolate fell that certain <laughs> way. <laughs> There's a lot that goes behind the scenes <laughs> yeah, that they don't yeah. see. It's like in my in my time of doing this, I've also become like a food stylist, which yeah. is like a whole other thing in and of itself. <laughs> um, but it's pretty funny because people will be like, my cake doesn't look exactly like yours. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's like editing and angles oh, yeah. and like everything that goes into like creating that shot to create uh-huh. the mood that I wanted you to feel. Yeah. So... What do you what do you use to um, to edit Lightroom? Yeah, okay. yeah, I use Lightroom. Nice. Occasionally Photoshop, but usually just Lightroom. Yeah, that's that's usually like the go to. Yeah, one. it's just like the most intuitive. I feel like it's pretty simple to work with yeah. once you get the the hang of the basics. Yeah. Now, did you? Um, that was like self taught as well with Lightroom. For the most part, I definitely like just watch like YouTube videos mm-hmm. and a couple things to just figure out figure out the basics. I've always been pretty computer savvy, so I mostly just figured out how to do most of it on myself by yeah. myself. But yeah. yeah, I definitely read some articles to get me started and nice. help that along. Yeah, and I and I like how you I mean, did you um have to pay for that course for the for photography? Uh yeah, the one I took recently I paid okay. for. Um and that that one was yeah, that one was helpful. It's called the foodtography course. So it's, oh, so so it's specific. specifically for food, okay. which was very helpful because um, she goes through like how to light things in the right way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thought it was really helpful to have one that was like specific for yeah. what I wanted to learn about. That's, that's, um, that's a good point because yeah. 
I think investing in yourself is mm-hmm. also an important aspect, especially when you're running a business. Totally. Um, or even if you're not running a business, but because um, you saw that this is important mm-hmm. in order to enhance your craft yep. and to make your photos much better. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just like school, like you're investing yeah. in school in a way, but it's more specific in, to what you're doing. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a very important point that you brought up because investing in in yourself, you know, will really like advance you. I mean, Mm -hmm. you might feel like, okay, I'm paying this much for it. But in the long run, it's like, what's your end goal that you're trying to achieve? And that's helping you get to where you need to be. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like investing in yourself is something that sort of is invaluable. Like it's will last for the rest of your life, like teaching yourself how to do something will last forever as a, as opposed to like hiring someone who will do mm. it for you for maybe that same price, but like you're not learning anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you're teaching yourself how to do something and investing the time and effort into something that will benefit you and your business, like that's gold. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when it comes to creativity, mm-hmm. you like to, I know you said you went to Joshua Tree yeah. um, and you like to go out and travel. Mm-hmm. So does that kind of like help with your creativity? Like what helps get you inspired and how do you stay inspired to create different things? Yeah, so my apartment I've sort of like created to be an inspirational space for me, but like sometimes I just feel so stifled that I Mm -hmm. almost feel like I can't think differently when I'm in waking up in the same space every day and like I'm in a studio. So I like Mm -hmm. wake up and see my office. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I'm inspired right now. (laughs) So I always just want to, probably like about once a month I'll try and just even if it's going like an hour away just getting out of town and going into nature and getting out of the space that I'm constantly surrounded by Mm -hmm. I just want to have new surroundings because it it changes my way of thinking and makes me think about things a little different and I'll like see an evergreen tree and like have an idea for like a different kind of cake that I never would have thought of like sitting in Hillcrest um and going and eating at different places mm-hmm. is also something that's important for right. me. Like I'll go to a restaurant and like see this dessert on their menu and be like, okay, how can I recreate that? But a gluten-free vegan version. Ah. So I get a lot of inspiration from like what other people create and other people's art and their creations. So I just like to expand my horizons pretty frequently so that I can see that inspiration and have some new surroundings. I'm like very much a, a person who who takes in a lot of what I'm surrounded by. Uh-huh. So I know some people can like sit with their eyes closed and like be flooded with creativity. <laughs> I'm not really one yeah. of those people most yeah. of the time. So. Right. I mean, I think that comes also too with like creatives that like, mm-hmm. I feel like for the most part from the people I've talked to, yeah, they usually tend to go out and just, go to a different environment Mm -hmm. rather than like stay in like the same environment because they say that they're able to you know be more creative Mm -hmm. something might just pop in their head at that moment um you know and and i think that's very important i mean even if it even if if someone is not in like a creative um 
type of work Mm -hmm. just going out there and experiencing different things right because being confined is yeah not the best thing to to be doing there's more out there you know staying in one place just like creates like a stagnant energy that Mm -hmm. doesn't really let like creativity flow in the way that even just going and like sitting on the beach like we're so lucky that we live so close to it i mean i'm Um, i'm not mad you know yeah yeah (laughs) like just going and sitting in front of the ocean like just like revives me and makes me think a little differently so yeah there's something about the ocean yeah like it's just just every wave is different yeah and just like i don't know the salt smell and Mm -hmm. all that stuff is uh it can't i don't know i can't beat it yeah Yeah. it's just like invigorating (laughs) yeah it's awesome yeah so i mean you have to take advantage of that for sure (laughs) (laughs) sorry to everyone who who is yeah well you you can still make it out here to uh to uh um socal and uh try the beach out for yourself definitely um so the places that you travel to um mm-hmm. is it just like spur of the moment um places that you want to you know help you get creative in a way like yeah. how do you choose that a lot of it's just random um like a couple last month i think it was um i like went to santa fe new mexico to go to meow wolf which is like this huh. super weird like uh, it's an art exhibit technically but like not really it's sort of like an immersive art experience um and i had just been like wanting to go for years so i like told my boyfriend i was like let's go yeah (laughs) drove 12 hours to new mexico to like go be in this like crazy weird place that almost feels like you're on like a psychedelic trip (laughs) just being in this place because it's just like all these crazy lights and you go in there and you just like feel the creativity of the people who created it because uh-huh. you're like how does someone's brain go to this place <laughs> um so yeah i just try to travel to places that i know i'll like be inspired going mm-hmm. to them whether it's through something weird like meow wolf or being in the desert in joshua tree and uh-huh. just like seeing a different kind of landscape that i'm not used to and going to like little ceramic shops and cool art galleries uh-huh. um so yeah i just it's pretty spur of the moment most of my yeah. most of my trips um maybe like a couple of weeks of planning uh-huh. but i just i like to go to new places too i'm not big on like going to the same places mm-hmm. for vacation all the time i want to explore as much of the world as i can and a lot of times that will be reflected in what i create because i'll go to somewhere like new mexico like i just went to new mexico and had like a mexican hot chocolate because they're all about like adding spice to everything so i was like oh my god i need to make something with mexican hot chocolate so i came home and made like mexican chocolate brownies that were like (sighs) spiced and delicious and probably not something i wouldn't have had Uh like that i wouldn't have thought of if i hadn't been like having all this spicy food in New Mexico and like seeing how much that permeated their culture. Right. So it's just going out into different places. Like we live in a big country and like oh, yeah. for so long I was fo- focused on traveling outside of the country. And now I'm like, there's so many cool things to see here. Mm-hmm. I just need to like go explore America because there's so many different like microcosms of food and culture. And it's, I just get so inspired by my travels. I always end up with like a big list of recipes <laughs> when I come back from my from my trips. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So um, speaking of your recipes, uh, what's your favorite one? Oh, that's so hard. Um, probably the one that I make the most often is my paleo chocolate chip cookies, which Ooh. are like a grain-free chocolate chip cookie that is 
So good. I'm a big advocate for chocolate chunks too, uh-huh. instead of chocolate chips because they melt better. Yeah. It's like a whole baking thing, but essentially chocolate chips have like waxes that don't let them really melt. Uh-huh. But when you use chocolate chunks, you get like a drippy, melty chocolate <sighs> that's so hard to beat. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so good right now. <laughs> yeah. And the dough is also really good. Yeah. So that definitely helps. Um, but yeah, I would I would have to say those are probably probably up there and that's what i tell like new people who are coming to my site for the first time if they don't know what to make i'm mm-hmm. like go for the chocolate chip cookies yeah because those are a favorite i've had many people tell me that they're their favorite chocolate chip cookies of like of all time like uh-huh. including really whole gluten sugared chocolate chip cookies which i am so very proud of that's good <laughs> yeah. i mean it tastes good and you feel good about it too yeah, yeah exactly that's awesome yeah it has some nutrients instead yeah of just right of just making you want more cookies <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um what what is like your why like why do you continue to do what you're doing yeah that's a good question so it started out just as like my outlet like i said before and that's definitely still part of it it's my creative outlet but now that i've connected with so many people i really like feel the need for this kind of baking like I people tell me on Thanksgiving they're like I thought I would never have an apple pie again they're like and I made your grain-free vegan apple pie and like shared it with my whole family and like they all loved it Uh and it was something that like me and my son who are both grain-free we're both able to enjoy with them yeah so it's like these people will get diagnoses for autoimmune diseases or their son will be diagnosed with celiac disease and can't have gluten and these people have to cut all these things out of their diet. And if they haven't been familiar with like healthier eating before that, it can feel really daunting and like really scary. And they're like, I'm never going to be able to have anything except for vegetables and meat ever again. Mm-hmm. Because they, if they haven't explored like that, that style of cooking and baking, it will feel like there's nothing out there for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with how a lot of restaurants are in most of the country. Like they just don't cater to that kind of, that kind of eating. Yeah. So they'll find my site and be like, oh my God, like this is a whole new world of treats that I can eat. (laughs) Don't have to like feel bad about or think that it's going to like give me a stomach ache or like mess with my medication or whatever it is. Uh Like it really helps people to like feel like they're able to still indulge without messing up their whole diet or like cheating or whatever it is Uh so that just makes me really happy that there's like people like even my grandma recently um got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis Mm -hmm. and she like went on a healthier eating plan and she's like i took a bite of a donut like a regular donut she goes and my whole body felt inflamed she's Uh. like i didn't realize that even when you have like a disease like this, even the littlest thing can make you feel so much worse. Mm-hmm. So just giving people that freedom that they can have have something that will won't make them feel terrible. <laughs> like right. it it just it makes me really happy and makes me yeah, that's that's my why. That's like what I do what I do is cuz hearing from those people will seriously makes my day. That's awesome. Yeah. Because at the same time you're also helping solve a problem mm-hmm. um, in these lives for these people. Yeah. And I think that's what business is also really about, you know, yeah. finding a problem and um, developing a solution to mm-hmm. help, you know, fix that problem in a way. Totally. Yeah, and you're doing what you love at the same time. Exactly. So that also helps. It's like a win all around. And yeah. like I see I've seen the problems firsthand, like seeing how my sister will like 
be itching for four days if she eats something with gluten in it. And it's like, it's such a detriment to so many people's lives. And so when they feel like there's nothing out there for them, it also makes you feel very isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're like, I can come to dinner, but I can't eat anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they just sit there by themselves. So this so like what I do. I feel like it sort of like empowers them to be able to like, I'll take care of dessert uh-huh. and they'll bring something that everyone's going to enjoy that they can also indulge in. Right. That doesn't make them feel like they're an outsider because they have to eat in a certain specific way that's mm-hmm. different than everyone else. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so for your younger self, um, um, what advice do you have now that you wish you would have known back then? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would tell myself to just like keep, keep doing the things that I loved and to like focus on that and to not like get distracted by what I felt like other people were telling me what I should be doing. Um, like cause even like my sister and my mom, who are two of my biggest supporters now, like they told me that I was crazy for not taking a stable job, for going off and doing something that wasn't gonna give me a stable paycheck. And I'm so glad that I didn't listen to them because it was like, I, fe- I knew I could do it. I didn't know how long it was gonna take, but I knew that I would be way happier doing that than like doing social media for like a big company mm-hmm. um, that I wanted to do it for myself. Um, and so just, yeah, just a reminder to like, you know what feels right for you and to not let the people around you inflict what they think is right for you because they don't know what you're really feeling and what you're really passionate about. And for a lot of people, I think it can be hard to stand up to the people around them and tell them like, no, this is what I want, especially when you're younger, when right. you're like 17, 18, or even 21, 22, graduating from college. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy for the people who have a lot of more life experience than you to tell you what they think you should do. And it's easy for you to get into your head and be like, oh, they must be right because they've been living for 30 more years than I have. Um, but only you know what's right for you. And mm-hmm. so to just listen to that and follow yeah. that path. And I'm happy that I <laughs> that I told them, no, I'm not gonna <laughs> take that job. Because <laughs> yeah. you, you can always go back and get a job exactly. later on. It was like, I know. knew that I would be able to get a job if I wanted one, but I wanted to take my opportunity to see if I could create my my business for myself and create my income for myself and there's one more job that's out on the job market (laughs) because i didn't take it doing something that i didn't actually like yeah and especially because like you're young yeah and so you have more time to you know figure it out and see if it works yeah you know yeah totally and and you don't really i mean i i think at the same time um going all in is very important i think that's what you did too yeah um (laughs) And I think also um, knowing that there's like a backup plan mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, the fact that you had your back against the wall, you mm-hmm. had like the three month period yep. <laughs> to really figure it out and do what you wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I think that gave a, a little bit more incentive for you to really push harder. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, I think that's that's the best way of, of going about it you know knowing that yeah sink or swim (laughs) mentality you have to survive you're going to be more hungrier that way right totally so um so yeah you know there's always going to be a backup plan you can always find jobs somewhere but you're i think your passion what you want to do you know that should come first yeah you know yeah impossible 
Yeah, and even like my when my dad told me, he's like, I'll, I'll help you. I was like, I don't want your help. Like, <laughs> I'm going to do everything I can to not have to have to ask you for help uh-huh. because I want to be able to do this on my own. Right. So even though like I had my backup plan, even like the fact that he said that made me want to not have to, do, have <laughs> yeah. to ask him. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be in that position. Uh-huh. So I'm going to work my butt off to make sure that I'm not. <laughs> right. And that's awesome. I mean, yeah. like now you're here. <laughs> yeah, now so, I'm here. Yeah. So. so what's what's in it for the future? I know you talked to me earlier about, you know, starting a book. Yeah, yeah. I've just started working on a cookbook a couple months ago. I have a couple more months to finish it. Um, and it will probably come out not for a long time. It's very delayed gratification <laughs> <laughs> writing a cookbook. Uh-huh. But yeah, I'm writing a cookbook that's going to be all gluten-free, dairy-free, and refined sugar-free. Um, so essentially just a reflection of my site, but mostly all new recipes with a couple favorites from my blog sprinkled in, um, and I'm going to be photographing the whole thing myself too. So awesome. it's a lot of work, but it's been so much fun and like yeah. so exciting to create all new content. And I haven't actually even announced it. I've uh-huh. like mentioned it, like sprinkled it in like yeah. some comments responding to people asking about uh-huh. it, but it hasn't been fully announced. So this is the first time I'm talking about it. Oh, nice. Which is, yeah, which is crazy. I'm still like, it's weird for me to like have reached the point where I'm like, all right, this was like my big goal was uh-huh. to write a cookbook. And now I'm like, I'm 25 and I'm, <laughs> and I'm doing it. <laughs> there you go. So I'm like, now I need to create my next big, my next big goal. But hopefully it's the first of a few cookbooks. So, oh yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. sure there's going to be more to come, yeah. you know, later down the line. Yeah, so. definitely. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks again. I mean that, yeah. you know, uh, having you on the podcast, having like a different perspective, especially yeah. in the entrepreneurial space, okay. um, is awesome. I think, you know, my audience is going to benefit from that and hopefully your audience will benefit yeah. from, you know, from that as well. So, you know, thanks again for taking the time and yeah, really so appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me on. Yeah. Lots of fun to chat and catch up. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I'll be placing Rachel's social media links in the show notes so you can stay connected. And if you receive great content out of this episode and know someone that can benefit from it, please share it. So thanks again for joining in. And until next time, I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.